Most SUVs are not known for their looks. Some little ones are not too bad. I quite like the new Suzuki Vitara. But when the Range Rover Evoque came onto the market in 2011, after they'd shown a concept car in 2008, I was more than pleasantly surprised. It's classed in the luxury medium-size SUV. Now, the base model, to get it on the road, including rego and dealer charges, might cost you a bit under $59,000. Depending on which state you're in, the top-of-the-range autobiography is over 100000 I've got to say, I felt pretty good driving one, and I've seen quite a few on the road. Now, motoring expert Ian Crawford has also had a spin, and he joins me on the line to talk about it. Ian, thanks very much for your time. Pleasure, David. Now, the looks. The nose is not ugly, I think it's good, but it's the back that really has, I think, a bit of style about it, does it? Oh, it certainly has style. It's, a, it's almost it's, a, it's an SUV with a fastback, in a way. Um, most, if you think of most SUVs, they're sort of fairly boxy things, you know, with horizontal lines and vertical lines, albeit with a few curves here and there. But to have a real sort of sloping roof line, is, uh, it's quite a courageous styling statement, I think. Yeah, the waist comes up a bit and the roof slopes down a bit. It makes it almost like a cut-down roof at the back, uh, but it really makes it stand out. Yes, it certainly does. Um, and and it's it's been a success way beyond, I think, Land Rover's wildest expectations. I mean, it's, uh, it's done uh, nearly 500,000 units since the launch that you mentioned in 2011. Um, and it's now the fastest-selling Land Rover of all time, which is quite a record when you think that Land Rover's been around since, what, 1948 or thereabouts. Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? And it, it's in the smaller size. It's, as I say, medium-sized SUV, whereas your you typical discoveries and that uh, tend to be at least that size and in building up to it. Now, the new one, of course, has uh, particularly the diesel new engines. Are they good? Yeah, the new, the new engine um, is uh, is quite an impressive unit. Um, the uh, the Land Rover people called it the Ingenium power plant. Um, it's a it's a two litre diesel unit in, in the test car that I had, uh, one thirty two kilowatts at four thousand revs and four hundred and thirty newton metres of peak torque, which comes in at only seventeen hundred and fifty rpm. Um, it's a variable valve timing engine. Uh, and Land Rover claims it's uh, between 20 and 30 kilograms lighter than its predecessor, as well as delivering lower levels of, of vibration and noise. Um, it's also a pretty economical engine. Uh, 5.1 litres per 100 is seriously impressive. Oh, yeah, that, that is good because, as I say, medium size, that's a pretty sizable car sitting up high yep. with capabilities. You can get it in uh, two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive, I believe. Uh, yeah, I've only driven the four-wheel drive one. Um, hmm. And uh, but that, that engine, by the way, is uh, mated with a nine-speed automatic. It's, it's a lot of speeds. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder how often you'd ever get near nine. It's probably a cog or two too many for Australia with, with, with our 110 kilometre speed limits. Um, mm. uh, the top the top couple of, of ratios are, are all but useless, really. But um, you know, it'd be a wonderful thing if you're on a German autobahn and with, where you could use all nine. General Motors is talking about bringing out a 10 speed. This one, I took it around in its most natural environment. Uh, it was the coffee shops of Balmain in Sydney, uh, where it's sort of inner city, I think, uh, is where it's uh, probably going to be used the most. Yet, like all good Range Rovers, how good is it off-road? 
I didn't get wildly um, ambitious off-road, but, but I did get a chance to use it in a bit of mud and some gravel roads. Um, you can, at, at the touch of a button, you can press, um, you can select grass, gravel, snow, mud ruts or sand settings, um, and they come into play instantly. Um, it's a very capable car uh, on gravel. I, I really enjoyed sort of uh, tossing it around with some enthusiasm on gravel roads, and uh, mm. it certainly didn't have any trouble with the, the mud and the large puddles that I took it through. Yeah, I think that's a, a good sign of Range Rovers. They are not only comfortable, they are also competent as well. But talking about comfort inside, did you like the interior? Yeah, I did like the interior. It's, it's a stylish place to be. Uh, for me, I found the... The, the front seats uh, not absolutely to my liking uh, they've got plenty of hip and thigh bolstering but the, uh, hip and back bolstering I mean but the thigh bolstering was a bit inadequate for me and a bit too soft uh, I noticed when on, on really windy bits sort of pushing it a bit hard your thighs sort of collapsed into the seats um, the back seats um, are pretty good. They've got a little bit. The two, the two outer seating positions have got a fair degree of bolstering, uh, which is uh, better than the flat bench variety. Yeah, yeah. I thought uh, I thought it was uh, quite reasonable to sit in the back there. I only got a four star rating in uh, uh, ANCAP safety testing. Scored thirty two point four nine out of thirty seven. Uh, but it has a fair range of things there. Just its general feel on the road. Uh, did you enjoy driving? Oh, I did. I felt I felt very at home in the car. Um, it's uh, it, it's very poised. It, it sits well. Um, it's got a, a, a suspension setting that's that's not harsh, um, certainly, uh, and it doesn't wallow all over the place. I think they've got the suspension sorted pretty well. The balance of that I, I enjoyed. I, I do uh, occasionally go to the gym, and uh, they have speed humps there. And uh, I find that some cars with very low-profile tyres are very uncomfortable. This one uh, seemed to, without going crazy, uh, cope with that remarkably well. Uh, in its class, it's uh, not doing too bad, but there are a few competitors. M- Mercedes-Benz, GLC, even the Discovery Sport, the, uh, the Land Rover version. Oh, that's right. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real fan of the Discovery Sport. Um, it's also got the Audi A5 and the BMW X3 and X4 and Volvo X. XC60 and as you mentioned the new GLC Ben so you know think and of course it's got things like the Mazda CX-5 which and Subaru's Forester that are doing very well indeed so it's um it's in a pretty tough segment uh yes there's there's a lot around there even in the luxury segment but in fact it's outselling just the Audi Q5 which I think is rather good I I've also been driving just recently the Audi Q7, and I've got to say, I thought that was a pretty impressive car. The Discovery Sport actually is interesting because that's got that more slopey line, whereas the base Discovery is that classic boxy four-wheel drive. Yeah, the Discovery Sport is more of a traditional boxy-looking SUV. I, I still like the style of the, of, the, of the boxy Sport. I think it's a, it's a very handsome car. So overall, um, you know, around the um, to get it on the road, about fifty-nine thousand to start with. Is that uh, competitive? Oh yes, it's it's pretty competitive in that segment. Um, the, the the other thing with um, you know the pricing of the Evoque is that you can option it up a fair bit and and. Um, you know the options can can add a lot of money to it. I mean, for instance, the test car I had, which was the five-door TD4 uh, 180SE, that starts off at 67,160. But the options that it had on the test car took that to nearly 79 grand. So, 
um, it starts to get up a bit when you put, you know, panoramic sunroofs and um, fatter alloy, bigger alloy wheels and driver assistance packages and things like that. So, you know, it can be it can be a bit expensive if you option it up. Yeah, I had the sunroof in mine. It didn't open to the air, but it had a blind that came back. But as you use the word panoramic, it goes way back. Uh, probably best for people in the back seat, really. Yes, it was very very good for people in the back seat. Yeah, I, I find that uh, th- those sorts of things for front seats, they really come sort of halfway over your head and you'd have to crane your neck to actually look out of it. But if you do provide plenty of... Uh, it's obviously the curtain is a, a roll-up curtain, not just a, a, a solid block that needs as much space to hide it as it does need to cover. Uh, that makes for a very wide, as you say, panoramic view at the back. Uh, mine had things like a head-up display for driving, which uh, I think is becoming more common. Do you like Do you like those? That's where the displays the speed and so on just on the windscreen in front of the driver. I, I find I, if I... And we appear to have lost Ian for the moment and not enough time really to get him back. I was just commenting on the heads-up display, which is becoming much more common on luxury cars and even cars further down the price line. The other thing I liked particularly about the Range Rover Evoque was the number of cameras that gave you good visibility, particularly when parking the car. And that was Ian Crawford, a respected motoring journalist, and we were talking about the Range Rover Evoque. And if you would like to hear a longer interview with Ian, go to our website at drivenmedia.com.au.